Yes, Sports Radio's on, talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on from the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day, college football, we know who's number one, understand, on the phones, you know we get it done, so call in 718-664-9098 and we'll give you more, talk sports, uh, yes we do, talk sports, uh, it's for you. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray, Tal Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor, and we are hyped up on this Friday night, baby, Friday night to talk some sports and get ready for a very busy and active and maybe historic sports weekend. Give us a call. Get involved. 718-664-9098. Like always, the emails to today at gmail.com. The website's RayAndTayToday.com, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and we're everywhere. But, Ray, we have got a lot to talk about before we even get to the NFL, college football, and the crazy Golden State Warriors who are going for 14-0 tonight. But we'll get there, so everybody be patient. Quick note, before we get into anything, I just want to say a thank you. I had a we did a little turkey trot drive at my son's school, and we donated some turkeys and some food for Thanksgiving to Laguna Elementary School. So I just wanted to thank the teachers and everybody and, you know, making sure that people who do not have food for this upcoming Thanksgiving, which is coming up Thursday, will be able to eat. So we were, uh, my wife and I, happy to, you know, do some donating and stuff. And it's all about the food and the family and the children, right? The children, right? It's all about the children. It's all about the children. No, for real though. If you if you know people that are are without you know on Thanksgiving or any day, and you can spare, yeah. then by all means, it's a great thing to do. Definitely is. Well, Ray, before we get to the history of NASCAR, real quick, I just wanted to talk to you because look, you and I grew up in an era where boxing was king, and this weekend we actually have a legitimate boxing fight in Miguel Cotto and Camilo Alvarez, Puerto Rico against Mexico. You know, the streets of New York and really probably everywhere is going to be hyped up for this one. Do you like Cotto to do his thing? Or do you think Alvarez is, is, uh, is ready? What would he, the weigh in was good. I mean, now, you know, Cotto, I think, they said, you know, after the weigh in at 153, he goes up like to 170. That's, that's insane. How that do you get crazy. that much weight, Ray? I don't know. <laughs> you know what? Cotto, what? Cotto's 35. And I don't know. I like Canelo. I mean, he's the three-to-one favorite. So, you know you know me, I like to go against the grain a little bit and choose some upsets. But but I think your boy Canelo Alvarez is just too much. I think ultimately if Cotto wins, it wouldn't be a shocker. But – I don't know. You know, these guys have so much history directly and indirectly. And then Pacquiao, you can take some stuff from the Pacquiao-Cotto fight. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got a whole bunch of data points out there. But, look, I think at the end of the day, I think it's a little bit too much. I think uh, Canelo Alvarez outlasts him. I think they go 10 rounds. And then in the 10th, he goes down. I got my boy Canelo taking care of Miguel Cotto. Representing okay. for Mexico. Yeah, I got, I got, I got my boy Alvarez. That's just how I'm feeling it today. Okay, well, you know what? I'm not mad at you. I'm gonna go 
I'm going to go Cotto in the distance. I think he, he does enough to uh, get the points and survive and, 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 you know, get close to maybe, you know, he could get in trouble and get knocked down because Alvarez can do that. But Cotto's got a little bit of the savvy, and this might be his last big hurrah fight. So I'm going to go with Cotto. Now, we got some real history this weekend. We don't talk about it much, but we do talk about it. And this year we talked about it less. But we bid adieu in the Sprint Cup championship race, the Chase Sprint for NASCAR. Jeff Gordon's last race, he's in the final four. You got Kevin Harvick, who is trying to defend his title, Jeff Gordon, Kyle Busch, and the sort of unsung Martin Truzak Jr., who's, you know, from, like, not a big, you know, company at all in terms of, like, you know, who, who his sponsorship is. It's Furniture Road Racing. You got to love that. Ray, everybody's saying Jeff Gordon doesn't have much of a shot. Who are you picking in these four for the final race for the championship for NASCAR? Oh, boy. Well, you know, Kyle Busch is starting in the number three spot, Gordon in five, Martin Truex at 11, and the favorite and defending champion, Kevin Harvick at 13. So as much as I want my man Jeff Gordon to take care of it in his 24th season, wouldn't it be nice to go out with a bang? Yeah. I'm telling you, I got a feeling that there's a new sheriff in town, and his name is Kevin Harvick. He's been dominant all year. He's yep. been consistent. He's the defending champ, and I just think he's too much. It's like those years when your boy, Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy went Johnson. on a crazy run. I don't know if Kevin Harvick's going to match that, but I do think that he's ready to win his back-to-back titles. Okay. Well, you know, I'm going to go a little bit out on the limb. I, I definitely like Kevin Harvick. I, I thought he would do good this year again and maybe repeat. But out of these four, my man Kyle Busch has got four wins, the most wins this year out of these guys. And for some reason, I think it's Kyle Busch's turn. I think him and Joe Gibbs Racing are going to bring it home you know, 1980s style with the Redskins, and Joe Gibbs Racing will have another championship, and Kyle Busch will be the driver to do it. So either way, it'll be fun. You know, they're down in Miami. So, hey, warm weather, racing, we'll see what happens. It, it, it should be entertaining. So switching gears, we got to talk some baseball. The postseason awards have come all throughout the week, you know, since we last spoke to you guys on Monday. Um, I'll let you run them down, and then we'll talk about were there any shocks or surprises um, for the MVP, Cy Young, rookie, and manager of the year. Why don't you break them down for me, and then let's chop it up a little bit. All right. So first we got to say that this – season has been pretty amazing for baseball. You know, I feel like baseball is back in terms of, look, it'll never take over football, right? But it was back in terms of visibility and and some of these performances, we'll talk about the pitching performances, some of the hitting performances were just unreal. So, and a great postseason as well. A great postseason, yeah. So all in all, great, uh, great season for baseball. So rookie of the year in the American League, 
we have shortstop for the Astros, Carlos Correa, a young up-and-coming stud, only to be matched by National League stud third baseman Chris Bryant, who, remember, they kept him down for three weeks in the minors because they don't want this year to count for arbitration because they know eventually down the road they're going to have to pay this guy. And let's let's give you some props, Ray, because pretty much you said for Correa, yo, that's my guy for our segment. Ray was calling it, you know, pretty, you know, early on in the season. And uh, so I definitely give you props for that. Neither one of us picked him for rookie of the year, but he definitely was on your radar. He's a 20-year-old stud. I mean, this guy is is going to be a a superstar in Houston. He's the next great Next great shortstop. Yeah, Matt, let me go through all the awards, and we'll talk about it. Manager of the Year. So the AL Manager of the Year went to Jeff Bannister and the, of the uh, Texas Rangers. Again, surprise, surprise, the Texas Rangers were in the playoffs. And then Joe Madden from the Cubs, uh, <laughs> formerly of the Tampa Bay De- Rays, Devil Rays and Rays, was the uh, NL Manager of the Year. The Cy Young award in the American League was very close but went to Dallas Keuchel over your boy David Price and then in the National League you may have had three of the best performances you know in the last 50 years all in the same season Jake Arrieta won edging out Zach Greinke and Clayton Kershaw and then finally the MVP awards in the American League you had a guy who basically took over the second half of the season and just did big things up north in Canada. Josh Donaldson won it in the American League and then in the National League with an unbelievable season. I think his OPS was like 1,100 with Bryce Harper. Yeah. So, you know, really, really strong set of winners of all the Major League Baseball awards. But what stood out in your mind in terms of these awards? What stood out for me, I had no issue with the MVPs. I thought they were sort of automatic and clear-cut. The Cy Young, I, I had some issue and some questions. I think really? personally, yeah, well, I, I kind of felt like David Price, I think I would have gave it to him, but Keiko, you know, you can't argue, but I just think what Price did and was so dominant, I felt like it was his chance to get uh, get it again. I think he won a couple years back. But I, I was a little concerned about Arietta because he, let's be honest, Clayton Kershaw took votes away from Granke because Arietta was the dominant. He wasn't even in the all-star game. He was dominant second half of the season. Guess what? Granke was dominant the entire season. So that's, I would have went with Granke on that one. I love what Arietta did. And I mean, his second half was lights out unreal, but I just think Granke for the whole season. So that, that, that was, you know, no issues with manager or rookie was a little, not shocked, but a little surprised. They gave it to Bannister for the Rangers but you know you could have you could have gone so many directions with that, and really, what the Rangers did with that sort of run and where they came from, you know, I, I you, you kind of had to give it to them. But I think we both went some another direction at the end of our season, but um, not upset with that one. So, what what was your sort of bone of contention? So, or we, no, we I don't think I had any problems with it. Look, if Granky had won, even if Kershaw had won, I'd be okay with that. Right, Kershaw right. had 300 strikeouts. It's only been done twice by two yeah. other pitchers in, in the modern era. That's crazy. Granky was just, like you said, solid, the uh, exceptional <laughs> the whole season. But you know what? Jake Arrieta, 
if you look at his whole st- his whole body of work was great. That that blew me away. He had the best second half of a baseball season ever. Ever, yeah. Pitchers ever had. So and no pitchers, he- no pitcher has ever pitched better than Jake Arrieta. For and and keep in mind, this is not half a football season. It's not eight games. You know what I mean? Half a baseball season is eighty games. So eighty-one technically. So this guy is unbelievable. And like I said, this collection, these three pitchers, might be the best collection of three pitchers that that you know that's ever been put together in one season. So Clayton. Oh, Kershaw, and there's so many more. There's so many others too, right? I mean, I think we're in a we're like in a heightened plethora state of awesome no, no, pitchers. I'm saying. No, you're absolutely right, but I'm saying that their performances, I'm yes, saying that yeah. these three performances, if Clayton Kershaw had had that performance in like 99 of the past 100, maybe not 99, 95 <laughs> of the past 100 seasons, exactly. he'd be Cy Young. You're and, right. and he finished third. And Granke <laughs> had an right. unbelievable season too. So th- these seasons were unbelievable. And then what, what Bryce Harper did, you know, everybody killed him about, you know, too much hype too quickly and you know his numbers 330 42 homers 118 rbi okay those those are solid very very nice numbers but his ops of 1100 i mean this guy was just hitting everything uh the only bad part for him is that obviously his team didn't make the playoffs but you know what not because of him he had a great no no he just needs to become a little bit of a better leader and i think him and papelbaum squashing the beef is a step in that right direction, and let's hold Dusty Baker. Because, look, we all like to see great teams sort of, you know, reach their plateau and maximize their greatness. And maybe this year the Nationals will finally do it. I hope some people want the Dodgers to do it. I didn't like that whole Andy Vance-like, you know, with his son and, and talking about Puig. And, like, to me, a former baseball player being a dad and you know your son's on a team, I, I don't know. Listen, Puig rubs people the wrong way, and I get that. But if this guy's on your team, then you need him checked in and you don't need bad blood. You need to sort of heal things and make it work. So you surely don't need a former player, a dad talking on a radio show, on a sports show, talking about what's happening in the locker room and, you know, inside stuff. That's bad by any events. Like, shame, shame on him with that. So well, he could come on Ray and Tay and, and issue an apology. Yeah, well, there you go. We'll, we'll have to tweet that out to Andy. But, you know, like you said, great baseball season, great awards. We'll keep it moving. Before we get to the NFL, man, we got to talk about what happened Monday into Tuesday, 24 hours of pure greatness. Obviously, tonight you've got the 2K Classic tipping off, the Puerto Rican uh, tip-off and Invitational. You know, all the holiday tournaments start, you know, this week and next week for Thanksgiving. So it's going to be fun. But, Ray, what we saw on Tuesday, Kentucky Duke, Maryland, Georgetown, Michigan State, Kansas. It was like Dickie V would say, it was awesome, baby. I mean, how talented is this Kentucky team again with Briscoe? And of course, he's got kids coming back, but Jamal Murray, I was I was drooling watching this Kentucky team, and I'm like, and Duke is no slouch, but Kentucky, man, that was an impressive win, and I feel like they're going to just they're only going to get better. Coach Cal does it again. <laughs> yeah, you know, you can't beat Coach Cal at this game of 
you know, losing a bunch of guys and then retooling for the next season. Now, Krzyzewski's typically won with juniors and seniors, or at least people that have been in the program, maybe sophomores, juniors, and seniors. So if you're trying to lose all your talent and then reload, I'm putting my money on Cal because that's just how he does it nowadays. When he well, did you hear Coach K? Coach K next year has got the number one and number two ranked players. Wow, good for him. Yeah, now Coach now Coach Cal, he's got three of the top 20 or 25, and he got number six. <laughs> number six, uh, this kid Bam or whatever, he uh, from North Carolina decided on Mike and Mike show to go to Kentucky. So, I mean, you know, they, they just the rich keep getting richer. And Duke's in trouble right now in the 2K Classic playing against VCU. But I want to ask you, what did you think about this is like an old Beltway rivalry, D.C. and Maryland, Maryland against Georgetown. And the Hoyas were balling. But my number three Terps are loaded and talented. And Melo Tremble and the boys got a really tight win, 76-71, over a Georgetown Hoya team that we will definitely see. Smith Rivera's back, I think, for his 10th season at Georgetown, and they will be in a tournament this year. What did you think about that game, Ray? So I thought that was a close game. You know, what's interesting to me is that, like you, I thought Maryland is going to do a big thing, but keep in mind, let me just give you an update right now. 15-20 left in the second half. Maryland's down 12 to Ryder. So I don't know what's happening there, but yeah. let's assume that Maryland pulls this game out. Um, I like this Maryland team. I, th- I thought it told me a lot about Georgetown playing well because, you know, we expect Maryland as a number three rated team in the country to be decent, and they're going to have to find a way to be Georgetowns of the world and also riders of the world. So I don't think that's a problem in the ACC. You play enough uh, – actually, in the Big Ten now, you, you play enough <laughs> – good teams that, you know, you, you can get humbled real quick. So I, I like this Maryland team. And, you know, what they need to learn is to win in the tournament because how long has it been since Maryland made a deep run in the tournament? And obviously yeah. you, won the, you won it all in 2002, uh, but I, I, I'm i trying to count Sweet 16s, and, and I'm not coming yeah, up last, with that. Yeah, last season we were pretty good. We got upended. We had a couple of bad calls. We made a little bit of a run. Oh, I think boy. This, I think this year's team can go a little further, but, you know, Des Wells and Tremble did pretty well last year. Um, but how about in terms of tournament, how about what number 13 did to number four, Michigan State with Denzel Valentine? You know, Kansas started out early and strong on them. And then Michigan State and, my, you know, my guy, both of us love him, Tom Izzo, 79-73. Now, look, Kansas might have – the deepest, most talented, and both these teams have experience. But look at, you know, with Kansas, with freshmen and all the returning kids, with Perry Ellis and, um, uh, what's the, oh, gosh, I always forget the, the other guard. But they, they've got a lot of ballers that have played together for a couple of years coming back for Bill Self. But Michigan State, man, Denzel Valentine might be, like, you know, tipping his hat to say, look, NBA, pay attention to me. So I was impressed with Izzo getting that win out there in Chicago for Michigan State. Yeah, and Valentine's another guy that's been in the program, it seems like, forever. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. So, you know, just want to talk a little college hoops, get everybody, you know, just a little, their whistle, wet their whistle a little bit. It's going to be a fantastic season. 
Um, oh, by the way, the number one player in the country, Ben Simmons, for LSU, three and zero. He he's uh, dropped I think twenty three and sixteen the other night. Now it's against South Alabama, but Ray six ten. They're saying his kids got like a little bit of LeBron, a little bit of Odom in them. He he looks smooth and watch out for LSU. They're going to be dangerous. Dangerous. Yeah. LSU needs a return to respectability. I mean, they were they were good for a few years and they dropped off a little bit. And I, I think they're coming back. If this kid Simmons, you know, can last, obviously he's he's a candidate for one and done. But you know, ride this ride this wave as long as you can. Think about it in in LSU. You have a top ten football team and a top ten basketball team. That's that's all right. That's just Baton Rouge, right? Let the yeah, let the let the good a, times there's roll. There's a couple of good programs, right? Like you look at Michigan State, Oklahoma, LSU, North Carolina. They you know both sports. They're killing it. So it, it, it's fun to watch. It's good to see Ohio State as well. It's not bad. Notre Dame. So we'll see how it plays out. But you know what time it is? Before we talk to college football, first it's Sundays. The pros. Last night, we saw probably better uniforms than the game, but it's debatable. Some felt really ugly uniforms, and a lot felt a really ugly game. Look, people have been just chirping because nothing stops the NFL, but we've had bad refereeing, sloppy offensive line play. Some would say bad tackling. Overall, maybe even bad football. But we, you know, we got 11 teams out of four and five, so it, it could be a mess. But Thursday night was yucky, yucky, yucky. But you did see Blake Bortles pull it together when he needed to, finally to get it to Julius Thomas for the touchdown to win, 19 to 13. What do you think about that game and really where these two franchises are headed is probably on the upswing. And, look, the Jaguars are still alive for the division title, sadly enough. What were your thoughts? Yeah, you know, they're lucky that they're both in a division that's terrible and therefore have a shot at the playoffs. Um, you know, if you want to look at the glass half full with Blake Bortles, you could say, all right, he uh, did what he needed to do. He he came back and won the game. They were down 13-9 and in the, going into the fourth quarter, and he came back and won. If you want to look at the, the glasses half empty, this is, what I think, the sixth straight game he's thrown in interception. So too many mistakes. Uh, you're in your second year. You need to, you know, step it up, especially considering that, you know, we keep raving about your, your wide receivers. You know, you got the two Allens. you got Julius Thomas. you got your Rashard boy, uh, Green. Green got TJ Yeldon, Mercedes Lewis is a big, you know, obviously he run blocks, but he can also catch too. So, you know, Blake Bortles, I was never a huge fan of his, but um, I guess he's winning, right? So four and six. With Mariota, look, it, it's a learning curve. And, you know, you talk about doing more with less. You know, oh, except for Delaney the Walker, yeah, except for Delaney Walker, you know, Doriel Green Beckham, the jury's still out on him. Dustin McCluster is so small. Harry Douglas was a third string wide receiver back, you know, back in the day in Atlanta. Uh this kid Antonio Andrews is 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 a decent running back, but you know, he he can't really make plays. He's just a, you know, 3 yards in a cloud of dust type of guy. So, 
you know, I think I think Mariota still has time, and, and so does Bortles, right? But if you're a fan of football, you watch this game and say, ugh, why does the NFL keep putting this product on a Thursday, the national TV? But then again, the economics tell you that, you know, CBS and Fox wouldn't pay the amount that they did if the NFL kept all the good games for themselves. So I get it. It's a little hard to watch, but you know what? We saw two young quarterbacks who both have a chance to be decent in this league. I totally agree. Moving forward to this weekend, we've got a lot of good games, and it starts in Atlanta. The Colts against the Falcons. Look, both these teams are, you know, very much alive for the playoffs. Falcons for a wild card. Colts for their division, tied with the Texans. But the Colts, you know, no Andrew Luck for a couple weeks. He got Hasselbeck going. And oddly enough, he's been extremely efficient. He's, what, 2-0. and You're going up against Matty Ice, who started off like, you know, thunder and lightning and all that. But now 12 touchdowns, seven interceptions. You know, still got you 2,700 yards. But I think what we're going to see is that even though Hasselbeck, sometimes the offense runs better with him, I just think the Colts are in a weird place. And I think Devontae Freeman and Julio Jones, Matt Ryan off the bye, I think they have a little bit too much for the Colts. I think they can score more than the Colts. Maybe Frank Gore, you know, he's at almost at 600 yards. Maybe he's on pace. They give him the rock enough to get 1,000 yards. You know, that's not the biggest feat anymore in 16 games. But at the end of the day, I think the Falcons – and sort of the unhealthy Colts, you know, T.Y. Hilton, will it be 100%, yada, yada. I say Freeman does a little bit too much as my fantasy stud, maybe six receptions, 80 yards rushing, two touchdowns, whether it's receiving and carrying. And I say the Falcons win 27-23 over the Colts. You know, I always told you that the Falcons are overrated. And they, when they started 6-0, and I said they're not a real 6-0 and team. I think they're lucky that they're getting a banged-up Colt team without luck. And Hasselbeck had a couple good games, but the issue with that is now you have film. So the offense runs a little bit differently with Hasselbeck. They do that quick West Coast offense. They want to keep him in the pocket. That offensive line has been terrible for the Colts, and that's part of the reason why Andrew Luck's been banged up in that lacerated kidney and just taking all those hits. So I agree with you. I think the Falcons win the game. I think because it's at home, because they're coming off the bye, I think they take care of business. I like your boy Matty Ice to throw for 300 yards, maybe three touchdowns. I like Devontae Freeman to do a little bit too. And I think the Falcons win pretty easily. I'll say they win 31-21. Well, we go on to Houston with TJ. I said said it. T.J. Yates, look, Hoyer lost some of his memory. It's not a laughing matter. You know, concussions, you know, look, the movie's coming out Christmas Day. We've already seen the trailer. It looks amazing with Will Smith and Alec Baldwin. NFL might not be happy about it, but let's just hope Hoyer gets back well. You give J.J. Watt credit. They went there, and their defense finally had a good game, and they, they took care of the Bengals. I guess the Texans are the Bengals kryptonite, especially T.J. Yates. But at the end of the day, I think the Jets with Chris Ivory, hopefully Fitzpatrick with the thumb, you know, he had the surgery, he, you know, nine, ten days off, good enough. I think at the end of the day, Alfred Blue and Grimes won't be able to run enough, and they'll be able to lock Hopkins with Revis 
and Marshall and Decker and, you know, maybe they get Jason Morrow, Devin, you know, Devin Smith, somebody to contribute and help out. And it's going to be sort of an ugly game. I, I think the Jets pull this one out. And I'm actually going to look for Chris Ivory because I find that you can actually run on the Texans sometimes at or away from J.J. Watt. And I think the Jets offensive line is good enough. Mangold is, is back. Chris Ivory gets you about 93 and a touchdown. And the Jets win 20 to 17 in a pretty vanilla game. Yeah, I agree with that. I like vanilla as the word of the day. I think the Texans, would they win 10 6? The Texans <laughs> can't score. So nope. if you score 20, you're going to win the game. And I think that the Jets have the ability to do that. I think their guy, Brandon Marshall, is going to be the game's MVP. He'll probably catch eight or nine balls for 100 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, I think he's the guy. I think without, you know, the emergence of a, of a strong tight end, and Amaro is always hurt now. So, to me, Brandon Marshall's the go-to guy for your boy Fitzpatrick, and I think in in the red zone he's a matchup nightmare. So I think the Jets end up winning a pretty easy game. I'd say 24-13. This is an interesting game for me. The Broncos, who are on a bit of a losing streak without Peyton Manning, with all the injuries, and, you know, gosh, you hate to look at his stats with the 17 INTs. But finally, in his last year of the contract with the team, Brock Osweiler, sort of like Manziel, you get to see him start and see at least who he is. So if they know after this year when Manning goes to wherever – whatever ownership or network or whatever that whether or not Brock is real or not. But unfortunately the first game he plays against his former OC and Adam Gaze and his former head coach in Fox and they drafted him and they know him better than anybody. And guess what? Forte and Jeffrey might be back, you know, looking like they might be able to finally, you know, both be out there and go. But at the end of the day, I think Foxy and Cutler and just the way Gase is, is working Cutler and he's getting rid of the ball fast enough and quick enough and Martellus Bennett. I think the Bears defense is playing some good ball and I think they actually sort of, eh, maybe it's a shock, maybe it's a not. I think they upset the Broncos and kind of throw a little mix in there in the AFC and put the Broncos down a notch. Cutler's not turning it over that much. 13 touchdowns, five in, INTs. He's the player of the game. I say the Bears, this is a weird one. I say they win 22-16 Bears over the Broncos. The Bears look good recently. Adam Gaze has been taking care of Cutler and really putting him under his wing like we wanted to see somebody work with Jay Cutler, who's got all the physical tools. The Bears are getting healthy at the right time. I have a sneaky suspicion, though, that this Broncos D is going to take this challenge and become even better. Mm. The Bronco running game has been disappointing, but I think they will, too, rally around Brock Osweiler and take some of the burden off of him. Uh, you know, Alshon Jeffries always questionable, and Forte is questionable, but I, I, I think they're playing. I know Eddie Royal's out, but in terms of the Broncos – you know, they, they still have DeMarcus Ware out, so that hurts them. But you know what? I, I think this defense is going to be good enough if you get a little bit from Ronnie Hillman, a little bit from Emmanuel Sanders, and a big game from Demarius Thomas. I think Demarius Thomas will be their workhorse. I think he goes to him 
short and medium, and maybe even breaks one deep. So I, I like Demarius Thomas, 10 for 125 and two touchdowns. Woo. I think the Broncos win a pretty close game. I'll say 24-21. Denver so, Broncos go to 8-2. and two. You're down with Brock, huh? Look. You got you got to prove it. You're playing for your contract. It's amazing how these how these guys on their contract year end up playing well. <laughs> yeah, you know that it is amazing, and you wish him well actually, because like you said, he's playing for his contract, and you sure hope that that is through no fault of his own. He hasn't even gotten a chance, right? He, he got drafted by the Broncos, thought he was going to do his thing, and then they signed Peyton Manning. No, you're right, Ray. You're right. So we're going to go to the Carolina game. But real quick, I mean, this game doesn't mean much except for the fact that it's the season for your Cowboys. Can Romo go to Miami and him and Dez do enough to, to beat the Dolphins? Forget Romeo, eat Cool J cookies. I'm bad. Yes. I told you that the Cowboys would not win a game without <laughs> Romo and Bryant. Doesn't mean that they'll win every game with them, but it means that without them they won't win any games. I think yeah, that they are so they fired Carolina. up. <laughs> they are so fired up. They want to win this game. They probably know that that Carolina Thanksgiving game is going to be real extra super tough. Don't want to be, what would that make them, 2-9 and nine if they drop both of these? So, yeah, they go into Miami and take care of business. I think yeah. that Darren McFadden has win. a good game. Des Bryant has a good game. Romo has a good enough game. I think he throws an interception or two. He's a little rusty. But I think, again, Miami has problems consistently scoring. it. So I, I put Dallas at 27-23. I'll buy that for a dollar. I'll go 24-20 Cowboys. Romo does his thing. So this is one of the most interesting games of, of the weekend for me. I – I got to tell you, the Redskins and Panthers, I, I, I don't know if I feel overtime or just a back and forth, but I think the Redskins are one of those teams that they play up to their opponent, and they're a little bit better than everybody thinks. At the end of the day, the Panthers, for me, they stay undefeated, but I think your boy, Kirk Cousins, you know what I'm saying? You like that. You like that. I think Kirk Cousins, you know, gets gets his team hype. Uh, Jordan Reed is just unstoppable in terms of, you know, getting the touchdowns and getting in the end zone. I don't know if Garcon and the boys will still have the dropsies. I'm hoping Jamison Crowder steps up. But, look, Kirk Cousins, 14 touchdowns, nine interceptions. He's got you, you know, 2,700 yards. Wow. He's a lot better than than, than most people thought he would be. Um, sorry, 2,200 yards, but he, he's doing it. So, to me, Cam and Stewart and Devin Funches, his first official start, he'll maybe get a touchdown. I say Cam is the player of the game, and they win 28-26, uh, down, down by a little bit of a score, and Cam gets the final drive to get this touchdown. I say he passes for one, runs for one, and Cam is the player of the game. 28-26, Panthers go to 10-0, and 0, Ray. Well, that's good because well, I got good, Cam I got on my fantasy, fantasy, so I'm happy about <laughs> that. You know what? You know I'm going to take the other side of this. I'm going to say that Carolina this is the ultimate trap game. They're looking past them. They're looking to Dallas. And national TV, not that Dallas is that good, but, you know, the, the whole Thanksgiving thing. 
Thursday, short week, maybe trying to sneak in some reps with Dallas's offense, Dallas's defense. So I'm going to say they look past a pretty potent Washington offense when everybody's healthy and clicking. And the Washington Redskins put the first loss on the Carolina Panthers. I think they do it in a bit of a shootout. I think they win 30-26. to 26. And Funches is back. But you know what? There's nobody clicking better than Jordan Reed and your, and your boy Kirk Cousins. So I'm going to say Jordan Reed is my guy. Nine catches, 115, and two touchdowns. Wow. I, I listen, I can't be mad at that. It's uh I just uh, oh can watch can, do you trust Kirk Cousins, you know? Well, I don't big... definitely don't trust him, but I think once in a while he'll surprise you. Yeah. And like no, you said, they listen, play he, up to their competition. He's had a pretty darn good season, so anything is possible. Well, listen, this is the, the, the game of the week in the NFC. The Packers who've lost three in a row at the Vikings, who, if they win this at 7-2, and two, can go two games up on the Packers. And then they play each other, I think it's week 17, back in Green Bay, which could decide the division potentially. Um, you know, this is hard because I think right now the Packers have got to find their offense, and it's really got to be Randall Cobb stepping up. And Aaron Rodgers, you know, for some reason he's, Admittedly, not, you know, I don't know if he's been scared or shook. And look, he only has three interceptions, 21 touchdowns. You know, he's still doing his thing. But what's fascinating about this team is that they're not generating a pass rush. They're not causing really that many turnovers. They were a couple of weeks ago, but now that's sort of paused. And look, Bridgewater is just efficient. Yeah, only seven TDs, but six interceptions. But he, he just, he gets the first downs, he moves the chains, and AP is playing out of his mind, and the defense is playing out of his mind. Yvonne Joseph with the defensive line, look, they might not have Lacey. They're going to probably rely on Starks, but I just think the Packers are going to be one-dimensional, and I think, again, he puts the team on his back. The Vikings defense and Adrian Peterson and the special teams, I think they actually squeak off a, a close win in Minnesota and get hyped up. Now, the Packers might still come back and do what they need to do, but I think this week the purple people eaters rise up and AP gets you the fantasy stud of the game, uh, maybe 105 and a touchdown, two, three catches for maybe 40 yards, and they win 26-24 Vikings over the Packers. You know what? I hear you. I feel you. And I even uh -huh. smell you. Uh-huh. But. I can't see the Packers losing four in a row. I think they're so amped up. You couldn't see them losing three in a row, homie. That's right. My vision was blurry, and it's like it's like you know what it is. It's like when you're at the at the roulette table, right? And you decide to bet on black, and it comes up red. And you're like, all right, let me double down. And it comes up red. You're like, all right, I can't lose three in a row. Let me do it. So that's how I'm doing it with the with the Packers. I still think Aaron Rodgers is best playing football. He only has three interceptions, which maybe is bothersome because with this lineup, he maybe needs to force it a little bit more. You know, he needs to force the issue. And these receivers are not getting separation. 
and that's a problem. And I think Jordy Nelson, people realize now how good he is not only for himself but as that number one receiver to take the pressure off the other receivers who clearly are not pure number ones. James Jones has been revealed as you know just a, a good receiver, and even Randall Cobb is not really a true number one. He's a 1A at best, if not a number two. So having said all of that, I still think when you roll deep with the Packers, you roll with Aaron Rodgers. And even though their run defense can be suspect, I don't think they'll let up 203 to Adrian Peterson like he did last week against uh, against Oakland. So I think they hold Adrian to 100, 110 yards, maybe one touchdown. They keep this game manageable, and they end up winning a fairly close game. But I think they take care of business. I'll say 27-23 Green Bay Packers to take back first in that NFC North. All right. Last game, Sunday night football. This is sort of the uh, you shouldn't have, shouldn't have got rid of me bowl. And look, we all saw what the Bengals did in prime time and what they've done in prime time in the playoffs. And it was ugly last Monday night, 10-6. But we saw Sunday night with the Cardinals, who Ray's writing – Right now, he's preparing for Monday's show with the I'm sorry letter to, to this Arizona team. Took care of Seattle. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? They are going to put it ugly, I think, on this Bengal team. Now, look, the Bengals are solid. But you know what? They might have been exposed a little bit. And I think coming to Arizona after not a good week and losing at home, I, I just think this is the wrong recipe because Bruce Arians and his defense and his offense and the balance – they have something going, and the defense of the, of the uh, Bengals, they can be attacked. And if John Brown is questionable, the hamstring, he sat out last week. If he's ready to go this week, and even if he doesn't, they still got Gresham, uh, Jerry and Brown. They've got Larry Fitzgerald. They've got Michael Floyd, one hand catching it. I think Palmer and the boys are going to move the chains. Chris Johnson is doing it. The player of the game for me? It's Carson Palmer. No interception. Four touchdowns. The Bengals take a big L to the Arizona Cardinals in the original no-fly zone. Tyron Matthew will pick one off, the Honey Badger. 31-20 Cardinals beat the Bengals Sunday Night Football. Okay. I hear you, and I can't really disagree, uh, but I will. So all the <laughs> – Pub is going to Arizona. They're the hot team now. Everybody's talking about Carson Palmer in the MVP voting. But remember my guy, Andy Dalton, and his regular season performance. Andy Dalton is one of the better regular season quarterbacks last five years in the NFL. He just wins games on the road, at home, and on neutral fields. So he's going to go to Glendale, which isn't a huge home field advantage. You probably have to admit that. Oh, you know, they've like, been they've been selling out for a while, man. Yeah, but it's not like playing in Lambeau. It's not like playing in some other places. So I'm going to say that the Andy Dalton led. Remember, we kept uh, – they had a hiccup last week. That's true. And, and they're not a 16-0 and team. But you know what? They will be 13-3, 14-2, something like that. So this team – we still think that they have the best, most complete offense in terms of skill players in the NFL, and they just come at you. You want to stop A.J. Green? Well, they got Sanu, and they've got you know just 
for days. They've got running backs, Hill and Bernard. Now, neither of them is, has consistently been, been so steady, but you don't know where Thunder and Lightning is going to hit you. And then they got that 6'7 manimal, Tyler Eifert. You know, when he's on, he'll catch you three touchdowns. So I think that they've got too much for that Cardinal secondary. And I think that the Cincinnati Bengals front four – is going to give your boy Carson Palmer some trouble. They're going to rush him. He's going to make a couple mistakes and maybe throw one or two interceptions on critical third down situations. And I think the Cincinnati Bengals show why they're an elite team and starting to get ready for their playoff run in the second half. Go into Arizona and beat your Cardinals 26-24. Sorry to Elijah Dukes, our caller from Arizona, but I just think the Cincinnati Bengals are ready. That loss may be the exact thing that they need to get them refocused, re-energized. Really? Okay. You know, I I see where you're headed with that, and I'm not mad at you. It's going to be – this is going to be a showdown and it's one of those games that they are so happy they switched out of the Chiefs and Chargers. Let me tell you, oh boy. Uh, Al Michaels and Collinsworth, they definitely didn't want to be stuck with that game, you know. So, look, we don't have much time left, so we got to kind of boogie with the college football. But we got six ranked games, and we're going to hit it hard. LSU against Ole Miss. Wow, Ray, you're talking about two teams that we thought that this might be the game of the year. Number 15, LSU, uh, Ole Miss jumps back in with the rankings at 22. Everyone's saying Ole Miss, but I don't know. I think Kelly's had that up and down season. I think Harris will do enough. And I think the way Henry ran on Ole Miss, I think Fournette has a big game. They save, they're playing for their coach's job, maybe less miles, which I hate to hear, but you know what? That's going to fire up the team. Harris doesn't make big mistakes, and I think Fournette comes back with a monster performance, 150 and two touchdowns. LSU, for their coach, they beat Ole Miss, who seems a little bit off lately. I don't know what it is. I say LSU takes care of Ole Miss 33-27. The Tigers win. You know what? I'm with you 100%. The The line is Ole Miss by a touchdown, which I think is a lot considering they've been inconsistent. Now, granted, LSU's lost two in a row. I don't think they're going to lose three. It might be raining in Oxford on on Saturday. So sloppy play, give the ball to the best player on the field, Leonard Fournette. He was the Heisman front runner for half the season, hit a wall in in uh, against Alabama. But you know what? Don't sleep. This guy is still an elite running back and still a stud. So Ole Miss going to have their hands full with him. And like you said, cons- inconsistency at the quarterback position. But you know what? It's been that way on both sides. So I- I'll put my chips on Fournette. I like LSU to win this game. Also, uh, medium medium offense. I'll say 27-23. We have 24 at 23. This was might possibly have been the Pac-12 game of the year, USC at Oregon. Well, they're both just barely hanging in the top 25. It's, you know, three losses apiece. It's been sort of shocking. Uh, Adams is finally healthy, though, and Oregon took down Stanford last week. USC, you know, they've been back and forth. But guess what? I I think Oregon and Freeman and Adams, 
it's going to be a little bit too much. I think Oregon found their mojo in beating Stanford. And I think Oregon, they take care. They might even turn Kessler over a little bit. He's, you know, got six picks. And Adams, now that he's healthy, watch out because he'll be passing and running. I think Oregon Ducks, shout out to George Reister and Sammy Parker and the boys. I think they wind up taking care of business. Close game, though. 31-27, the Ducks get it done at home. You know what? If this game were in L.A., I might think differently, but Oregon is still the class of the Pac-12. Um, last five, six, seven years they have been. Uh, Adams has never been the same since he got hurt against Michigan State, but you know what? He's back. He's healthy. He's ready to roll. They still have those athletes. Helfrich's offensive system is too much. SC's been putting up some points, but I just don't think they put up enough in this game. I think Oregon wins. In a high-scoring game, I'll say 35-30. Listen, you can't be mad at that one. Look, this is not a super exciting game, but they're two ranked teams, number 20 Northwestern against number 25 Wisconsin, who, in my opinion, shouldn't even be in the top 25. Some of these teams on the back end of the top 25, they're really debatable, especially Wisconsin to me. But they're 8-2, haven't had a tough schedule um, I actually think Northwestern at A&2 as well. I think they go to Wisconsin, and I think they take care of Wisconsin. I think Northwestern can run the ball. It will be sort of one of those tight games. Look, the whole uh, Mideast or Midwest and, and, and the East Coast weather and storms are coming this weekend, so we'll see how the weather is going to be. looks like Saturday could be huge snow most, most places. Um, I think Northwestern has enough. I'll say they win more of a slugfest. Uh, 26-23, Northwestern over Wisconsin. See, I think Wisconsin's D is too much for Northwestern. I think Northwestern's has a, the, the offense of Wisconsin. Maybe Northwestern can, can match up with them, but I think Wisconsin's D is what turns the table. And I hear you on 8-2, and two, and I hear that, that maybe they don't deserve to be there, but they win this game, they're 9-2, and two, and Northwestern's a, a decent team in the in the Big Ten. So I think Wisconsin takes care of business. I think they turn Northwestern over a couple times, hold them to about 60, 70 yards rushing, force them to pass, force them into a couple turnovers, and I think Wisconsin wins a pretty easy game, actually. I think they win 26-17. to 17. We got another Big Ten battle. This is the one we've been waiting for all year except that Michigan State had that slip-up against Nebraska. Number nine, MSU against OSU. Number three, the defending champs, Ohio State. Look, you know, Connor Cook will probably go. He's banged up. He's had a decent season, you know, 21 and four interceptions. You know, he's played his ball. But I think it's not – it's no more time for joke. I think Ohio State – they're, they're turning up. Their season begins this weekend. And I think at the end of the day, Ezekiel Elliott, JT Barrett, and the defense, Bosa and the boys, it's going to be way too much. I don't think this is a great Michigan State team. I think it's a top 8 to 15 team, and they're good. They're not great. And I think that Tony doesn't have the defense that he normally has. Elliott, 150, two touchdowns, and he really – uh, steps up in the top two or three in the Heisman uh, race. I say it's 30 to 21. Ohio State takes care of business. 
Yeah, Michigan State's a deceptive 9-1. and one. They should have lost to Michigan. Uh, they're not as good as last year on defense. Connor Cook's played well on offense, but around him his other skill position players haven't been there for him. So, like you, I agree. Ohio State will take care of business. I think that uh, Ezekiel Elliott is the best player on the field. Uh, and between Braxton Miller and JT Barrett and whoever else you throw out there on offense, I think Ohio State is going to put up a fair amount of points. I have them winning 31-19. Now, this is going to be fun. This one we've been waiting for It's going to be Saturday night, prime time. Fox has got it. It's number 10 Baylor against number 6 Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State moved up, and they housed Baylor's spot after Baylor lost last week to Oklahoma. You know, I, I just think at the end of the day, the freshman Oklahoma State's defense is actually a lot better than people think. And the freshman quarterback, he's pretty good. But when you've got to go on the road in the Big 12, things could get a little bit ugly. And I don't like Oklahoma State. I mean, I don't like Baylor to be able to pull this one out at the end of the day. To me, Oklahoma State's offense, they can really score on anybody and anywhere, but when they're at, you know, Stillwater, they're at home, I don't think Baylor is going to be able to stop them. Their defense looked good last week against Oklahoma, a little bit here and there, but, you know, it's going to be Rudolph doing his thing, and I think at the end of the day, you're going to see Carson have a big game, get some more touchdowns, do a little bit, you know, catching it, running it. Oak State, 35-28 over Baylor. Oklahoma State stays in the running for the college football playoff. You know what? This is a great game, and it really is a marquee game for whoever wins this game in terms of representing the Big 12. I look for Mason Rudolph to have a good game. Now, they've only beaten TCU. They've really played nobody. That's why both of these teams are, are kind of – everybody looks at them a little funny because they say, wait a minute, you guys haven't played anybody. Now, to Oklahoma State, yeah, they're, they're about to play – exactly, back-to-back-to-back. <laughs> to back to back. They're about to play really good teams in, in their conference. So, we'll see that. Like you said, Oklahoma State is the number two defense in the Big 12. So, they're ready to rumble. I think a freshman, a true freshman quarterback at Baylor, he's banged up. He's taken some hits before that he probably hasn't seen or heard of in high school. You don't get hit. Like Isaiah Thomas said, it ain't like we in high school. You you don't get hit like that in high school. (laughs) So he's a little shook. Um, You know, those Epsom salts baths can only do so much. Uh, And when you're going up against the number two rated defense in the conference, I think like you, Oklahoma State takes care of business. I don't think it's as high scoring as you do. So I'll go with Oklahoma State 27-20. Okay, well, this is the sort of the, the, the real game that we've been waiting for. Um, unfortunately, it's not going to be what we wanted it to be because the great receiver Dobson is out. Boykins probably won't be able to go, or if he goes, he's going to be really hurt for TCU. And I think Oklahoma, to me, at seven, they've shown that they are – they might be the most underrated team in the country. I spoke about them last week in terms of being top 15 in offense and defense, and they showed it in that Baylor game. And Baker Mayfield, 
He's going to New York, ladies and gentlemen. Over 300 yards passing, only five INTs, 31 touchdowns, and he can run the ball. The dude is explosive. I like Perrine, the running back. I, obviously, we love Shepard at receiver. This team is so dangerous, and they're going to put it on TCU because TCU is missing a lot of talent. Defense been hurt. It's just it's been a cursed season, and TCU was my championship pick. But they've just been too injured. And so Oklahoma wins 38-26. And uh, Oklahoma, ladies and gentlemen, they are throwing their hat in the ring for the showdown against Oak State. And we'll see how it plays down. Go Sooners, go! So I agree with you 100%. I'll go so far as to say that Oklahoma wins this game even if Doxon and and uh, and your boy Trayvon Boykin were healthy and playing. They're playing that well. And I believe that the Oklahoma Sooners, this is their time to shine. They are, I mean, both of these teams are offensive juggernauts. And, you know, they've been, you know, defensive numbers are kind of deceptive. When you put up a lot of points and all you're trying to do is defend against the pass, you know, so you'll give up a lot of yards and maybe even some touchdowns. So I think, though, that this Oklahoma team really wants to put its name in there for the national championship, and they have to do that by running the table and really taking care of their Big 12 opponents. So I like Oklahoma big in this game. I mean, this game is being played in Norman, and I think it's a blowout. I think Oklahoma wins. I'm going to say 38-17. to 17. I think TCU just gets blown out. All righty. Well, listen, that's going to be interesting. We'll see how it plays out. We'll talk Monday about what we think will be the the four for the playoff after these great games. Should be fun. Um, It's going to be great. But we end with the NBA. And what we saw last night, look, the Sixers still haven't won, and they're playing tonight. And, you know, it looks like down 15 to Charlotte. It's going to be 0-13. The Warriors play the Bulls tonight. I'm not sure if D. Rose is going. We'll see how that happens there at home. But what they did last night against the Clippers, being down 23, down five going into the fourth, it was such an amazing comeback. And then they wind up, you know, winning by a couple of points, 40 for Curry. I just don't think everybody else is hyped up to play the way that they are. Curry was, I think, offended that the players for the first annual Players Awards they had it on BET, and they gave Harden MVP. Well, he wants to show everybody and all his peers, no, 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 player. I am the real deal. I am the best player in the league. Respect me. And they're just doing it. It's, it's unbelievable what's happening, and you just you got to sit back and enjoy it. Yeah, they might not get 70. They might not get 72. But the West that we thought it was, right now the West is – the East is better, but the West – very average, Ray. Even the Nuggets are in the eighth spot right now and playing good ball at six and six. So, uh, yeah, I don't our know. Knicks are taking care of OKC. I, I love Knicks. it. No Durant, but you know that Porzingis is balling. But come on, me and you got to talk about this real quick. Disgusted that the Rockets, Dow Morey, and the ownership got rid of our boy Kevin McHale, who took you to the playoffs with all those injuries last year to the Western Conference Finals. You had no business being there. And what, 11 games in, you're going to fire him because Howard looks old and can't play and Harden's not being a leader and playing defense? That's hogwash, shame, and they're the chumps of the, of the, of the season. 
Shame well, on Darren. Well, not only that, and, and, uh, and please don't take any disrespect in the Brickerstaff family, right? But to fire him and then replace him with the 35-year-old J.B. Bickerstaff. Now, he might turn out to be the next Red Auerbach, but you know that the coach you just fired is a Hall of Famer and took you to the Western Conference Finals when, like you said, you had no business being there. You lost Beverly, Monte Yunus, and you know you, you got the most out of that team. And yeah, James Harden didn't really deliver, but you were you were really close to going to the finals. So eleven games in, you're firing Kevin McHale. I agree with you, hundred percent. Crazy. It's insulting. And you know what? To me, you can't blame that coach. Only eleven games in, after what he did last season the heroic coaching job with, you know, a makeshift roster. Look, these guys had some injuries again in the start of this season, but guess what? Howard's not playing good ball and Harden hasn't been playing defense. Corey Brewer has been shooting atrocious. I think like 12 or 15% from three point land. You know, it's one of those things where, yes, they're good when Ariza, Harden and Howard are are playing well together and defensively. And they had a great comeback win for Bickerstaff's first game to get to overtime and they win last night. So maybe they turn it around. The biggest saddest thing of the season is Alvin Gentry and the one and eleven Pelicans. They the other but night they only San Antonio up. right now. I know because they're getting the more players back healthy. But Ray, they only had nine guys when you can play thirteen. That you know it's hard to win in the NBA like that. So I don't think they'll be. It's been too many games. I'd be shocked if they were able to turn this around to still get to the eighth seed. So I think that opens it up tremendously for Phoenix or Dallas, you know, you know, one of these teams. Yeah. You know, and those teams are all playing some serious ball. So look, the NBA is moving along. It's, it's exciting to see certain teams, you know, play better than we thought, whether it's Phoenix or, or the Nuggets or even the Mavericks, you know, who started off with injuries, they're playing some ball and, you know, same thing in the East, you know, you see that, the Knicks are, you know, a little bit out of the playoffs, but they're right there. The Pistons, Drummond is, you know, I mean, MVP candidate. The Celtics are, are defying them and the Pacers are defying Ray and Tay and our picks. So, look, it's a lot of fun, a lot of basketball to go. Are you at all thinking that anybody could stop the 9-3 and three Cavaliers who, if they lose, it's only because play the way they were supposed to night after, you know, night in, night out? No, I, I don't think so. You know, Barkley said something very interesting that I, that I thought, wow, that's interesting. Last night he said he thinks the Bucks are the only team from a roster perspective that could beat the Cavs. And I hear where he's going with that because, yes, yeah. you know, the, the Bulls will never really be healthy. Derrick Rose is not going to be himself maybe ever again, unfortunately. And so after 82 games, even with the mayor and not the grind that they used to go through, it's still tough. And, and um I, I think it's the Cavs. The Cavs just penciled them into the finals. I think you're right, Ray. You know, I, I, it's going to be hard. But I'll tell you this, at least in New York this year, we have got a legitimate team that has a shot to make the playoffs, has a shot for rookie of the year, and if they ever got there, would have a shot of Derek Fisher winning coach of the year. And to me, that is exciting just to say and it's great basketball to watch. Porzingis, yeah, you know, people get excited. Oh, he's Nowitzki. Nah, nah, calm down. Nowitzki's a Hall of Famer. 
But what you're seeing from this young kid on both sides of the ball and the way he jumps around, offensive rebounds, defense, and now he's starting to hit some three-point shots, watch out, playboy. KP, as I like to call him, Porzingis is in the hizzy. I love it. <laughs> That's going to be a great, listen, great show. It's going to be an amazing sports weekend. Watch a little bit of everything. NBA, college basketball, college football, NFL, catch the NASCAR race. Jeff Gordon, we bid a you know bid adieu to a, a legend in racing and just a legend in sports. And um, have fun to talk about it with us again on Monday. Have a great weekend. Have a great sports weekend. We're out. See you on Monday.